This is Behold, a VBC podcast. Our goal is to examine biblical truth that will better equip you to behold the glory of the Lord more fully in your daily life. And without further ado, here is the Behold podcast. Hello, listeners. This is Sean and Dan coming at you from the one and only The Press. Yes, the one in Pleasanton, not the one in Livermore. Thank you for clarifying. Uh, you know, this is kind of a fun special week for us, and so we thought we would take a, a little bit of a break from the normal program and do a little fun on-the-road edition of Behold. And today we're talking about a fun topic because of what's happening on Thursday this week, and that topic is prayer. Dan, what's going on on Thursday regarding prayer? Yeah, so you, hopefully you haven't been living under a rock and you've heard our announcements and our newsletter blasts or social media posts. It is the National Day of Prayer this Thursday, May 4th. May the 4th be with you. May the 4th be with you. So what's happening all throughout our country is Christians are getting together just to pray for our nation. And we are going to be joining our brothers and sisters all throughout the United States, praying into or praying over six arenas of influence in our country. Arenas ranging from the government to what's happening in media, to families, to churches. And so what we have chosen to make available for our church family is to have our auditorium at the Crossing Campus open all day long for prayer. So people can drop in and pray through a handout that we'll be providing and the room will be set up where it's just a an atmosphere a worshipful atmosphere where they can seek god and intercede for the nation and um and then at at noon we'll have a prayer room service and then we're going to be gathering in the evening for an abide worship and prayer service and it's really fun we we worked as a staff this whole week to set up the auditorium kind of like a living room because we wanted to just make it a cozy environment we've really been enjoying having these abide worship nights in people's living rooms and so we wanted to set up that same kind of atmosphere so yeah really excited about this thursday yeah so hope to see you guys there for sure um and so just kind of prompted for us on this short behold today maybe it'd be good for us to just address that question of why do we do things like this you know why is it valuable for us to come together as a church family and pray whether it be for our nation like on this thursday or for any other number of topics. Um, so that's the goal of today, is, is why do we pray together as the people of God? You know, one of the things that maybe sets the foundation for that is just addressing one of the differences in when Scripture was written 2,000 years ago versus today, and that is just the culture of prayer. You know, if you read through Scriptures, there's kind of surprisingly less commands to pray together than you might think. You might think that that would be happening quite a bit. And it was happening in Scripture, but we're commanded to explicitly less than you might think. And I think one of the big reasons why is, if we look at what culture was like when this was written, whether we're talking about um, those living in in Rome or the surrounding areas, or for, for the Jews at the time, you know, prayer was not this one thing they did apart from the rest of their lives. No, prayer was was interwoven in a part of their daily lives every day mm-hmm. for everybody. Yeah. It was such a given that when when you live, you pray. Period. You pray alone. You pray with your family. You pray together when you gather. That's just what you do together. Um, now, 
you know, we've drifted so far from that kind of God-centered society that we don't do that anymore. At least not naturally, right? It's not, it's not an expectation. And so we have to kind of parse through that as we're looking at scriptural, scriptural commands to pray, kind of read between the lines of what would the expectations have been for the early church when it comes to gathering together and praying for things that they want to see happen in terms of God's kingdom and his plan, right, Dan? Yeah, it's a great point. And when when you look at Jesus' life as as you know chronicled in the the gospel narratives, you see that he is a man of prayer. And we've talked on this podcast before about his his discipline for private prayer. But also you see his practice to with his with his people with his disciples with his guys to to seek out times to 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 schedule into the rhythm of their life and ministry together times to to pray together you know you think about when uh when he invited peter and john and james to go to the mountain to pray Uh, even when the disciples asked jesus lord teach us how to pray he responded with a prayer. Hey, let's pray like this. And you see those those um, words like our Father and the repeated use of we and us and our. There's this corporate aspect to Jesus's prayer life. And then, you know, after Jesus uh, is dead, buried, resurrected, and ascended to heaven, you see the, the early church practicing this as well in the book of Acts. I mean, the book of Acts is replete with the people of God praying together, you know, they, in, in Acts 1.14 and Acts 2.42, they were devoting themselves to prayer. Um, when when the Holy Spirit was was expanding and moving to different areas, they would lift their voices together to God, and they would pray together. <clears throat> when they were trying to make a decision to, with regards to church leadership, whether it's the appointing of deacons or the sending out of missionaries, the, the elders would get together and they would pray. <clears throat> when Peter was in prison, right? Um, it was earnest prayer that that loosed those chains. And when he escaped, what did he find? He found the, the people of God, his brothers and sisters, praying. Um, so you, you see this, this just uh, really modeled for us in the New Testament. It was just part of the daily rhythm of, of how they lived. And, and I think, <clears throat> I don't know if you've experienced this, Sean, like when, when, when we go on like a short-term mission trip, and we're kind of, uh, we're really focused, whether it's on the Navajo, you know, reservation or it's in Belize or, you know, it's it's visiting some of our global mission partners abroad. You're, you're kind of in this place of dependency and you're outside of your comfort zone and you're you're kind of just like, you're, every move you're making almost, you're, you're praying, you know, and, oh, the, hey, this thing happened, let's pray. You know, this, this, we need direction here. Let's pray. Um, this this miraculous thing God is showing. Let's thank Him. You know, it's just more part of the daily rhythm of on those trips. And man, I I, I want us as a church community to to move more towards that as being the norm, rather than hey, when we're on this trip, we pray a lot, but then we come back home. We're you know we've got all of our creature comforts and we've got all of our you know uh, resources and. And uh, we're, we feel more self-sufficient. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think sometimes you hear people use the term like like a mission trip high, quote unquote, yeah, yeah, yeah. to describe that. And 
I like one of the words you use, which is like a, a sense of feeling near to God. Yeah, yeah. I think that that nearness is a good thing to think about when we're talking about why do we pray, you know? Mm-hmm. It reminds me of Hebrews 4, and I'll read you a little, little section here. If I can find it, because my phone just reset. Doing great. There's a section talking about what we have through Jesus in our ability to approach God. So listen yeah. to this. Since then, we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. And this part is so key for this. Let us then, with confidence, draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Let's, with confidence, draw near to the throne of grace. And if you think about this, this idea of nearness to God, um, this is the original plan, right? And going back to, to Eden, the plan has always been for us to be near to God. And before the fall, you know, Adam and Eve had the, had the luxury of just standing in his actual physical presence, so they were already near to him. And now, thankfully, through our high priest Jesus, we're enabled to get back to that original plan, which is nearness to God. How do we do that? How do we have nearness with God? You know, that word in Hebrews 4 for drawing near, the Greek for it, I can't really pronounce it, but it's proserkomai. Nailed it. Nailed it. Which means to approach or to go to or to draw near to. That's the command. Let us go to the throne of grace with confidence all the time when we need stuff so that we can receive mercy and grace in our lives. Amen. How do we draw near to the throne of God? By talking to him. We approach him in prayer, right? And so whether we're talking about our individual lives, you know, like, like Jesus says, when you pray, go pray alone in the room. Close the door and your father will hear you, you know? When we're talking about our gatherings together, that's the idea. As we, as a people of God, as a family of God, that's what we're pursuing, is we want to approach the throne of grace, A, just so we can experience that nearness with our Father, but then B, so we can receive the help we need as we do that, right? Yeah. Well, and it's it's interesting how how that section ends. It's so we can receive mercy and grace to help in our time of need. And we think of, I don't know about you guys, but when I think about my time of need, it's actually all the time. (laughs) You know, like I never am not needing mercy and grace to help. And that sense of dependency is, you you have to walk humbly before the Lord. And it's almost like a prerequisite for prayer. Because if you, if you feel like you've got this and you're you're self-sufficient and and you know you're you're not the type of person to ask for help, then you're not necessarily going to be a person of prayer. But mm-hmm. but if you are are aware of your your need for God every moment of every day, if you are perpetually just walking in you know with a humble heart before the Lord. Those are the people that are going to prayer. Those are the people that are drawing near. Those are the people that are <clears throat> praying without ceasing. You know, that, that kind of thing. Um, and, I don't know, Sean, do you ever talk to people who feel uh, intimacy and comfort and, and strength with their private prayer life, but <clears throat> they, they'll say something like, yeah, but I just don't pray around other people. Or, I, you know, I don't do the, I don't like to pray out loud. Or, you know, 
what, what, what kind of things would you encourage them? Well, there's a big group of people right next to us. Yeah, so there's like a stampede happening. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, 100% I do. And... And on the flip side, I hear the, I see and witness the opposite as well. People who are really quick to pray together in public, but they don't pray alone, which is, that's who Jesus is addressing in the whole pray alone in the room thing, right? Um, and I think on either ends, what it's revealing is a, a, a lack of um, understanding of what the Christian life looks like, you know? A lack of understanding that um, our, our relationship with Jesus and with, with our Father in Heaven it is meant to be intimate in our hearts. It's meant to be a one-on-one thing, of course. At the same time, we're designed to exist as a family. Mm-hmm. You know, we're designed to do life together, to, to all these commands that we're given to do on our own, we're also meant to do together. Yeah. And so either one to me, it, I'm not going to say it's like sin or anything, but it just bums me out because mm-hmm. you're kind of missing out. You know, yeah. You're missing out on the joy and encouragement and building up of one another that comes from praying together as a church family in the first scenario. Yeah. And then you're missing out on just the authentic intimacy and sanctification in the second scenario, you know? Yeah, yeah. So either way, I think it's important. And, and one of the concerns sometimes for people is just that question of like vulnerability, maybe, yeah. and feel so vulnerable to pray with people or yeah. whatnot. And I would just remind you that we're a family. You know, we, we are a family before anything else. And hopefully we, we walk that way, <laughs> we live and talk that way, that that when you're praying with your brothers and sisters, you're doing it in love before the Father, you know? Yeah. It's not something for you to be judged by your, your peers. It's not something for you to be worried if you pray right or not, you know? Yeah, We're yeah. all just uh, toddlers walking around in circles going to our Father together, you know? None of us know the, the right way to pray or not. But I think the right way to pray is just an, an authentic desire to talk to the Father, right? So you can all do it. You're, you're enabled. Yeah, like no one's... No one's critiquing your prayers you, you know and and I think just like any spiritual practice or discipline the the way to move past insecurity and self-consciousness and just a lack of confidence is to just do it you know you just got to get in there and just and, and start small and and pray pray together you know and so that's why you know we're that's why we that's one of the reasons why we do prayer room every week we want to give people opportunity to experience that's why we we have these abide worship nights you know that's why we try to teach on, on prayer and, and yeah and the cool thing about about scripture is it's full of things that we can pray back to God you know even if you look at that um, you know the Lord's prayer it's 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 in a couple different places in the Gospels, but from Luke 11, 2 through 4, um, Jesus says, pray like this, right? And so we can we can kind of look at what what is what are the principles of, of that he's covering in that prayer and how can we take advantage of those aspects of prayer and, and bring them to God. Yeah, I'm so glad you said that because it doesn't say, it's in Luke, it's also in Matthew, you know, and in both places it doesn't say when you pray, pray these words. Yeah. When you pray, pray like this. And the like this, what it's communicating is, is is capturing the same heart as what I'm about to say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah so it's like, you know, okay, so let's just break it down, right? So, so our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name, right? So it's, so it's first, at first it just starts off with an acknowledgement and addressing of, of who God is in the relationship that we have. Um, and then that, that, 
um, phrase is, it's interesting, hallowed be your name. It's not, I hallow your name, which I think a lot of people think about. It's, it's almost, they think of it as like a prayer of worship, um, which obviously there's that sentiment in there, but but really what he, it's a request. He's saying, he's saying, Lord, do whatever, Father, do whatever you have to do in the world so that your name is hallowed. Amen. Right, so, and, and we're going to get into that because we we're gonna we want to talk about some things to keep in mind for when we're praying for the nation, you know. But but if you just think about you think about that, it's like there's a partnership with with the Father. Is it's acknowledging that He is sovereign and He has a, a sovereign plan that He wants to work out, and it's like you're you're praying into that plan. You're par- partnering with him in that you know and then it's hey your, your kingdom come your will be done on earth as it is in heaven so the idea here again is is God is unfolding his reign here on earth and we want to see that come both in kind of the micro things that happen in our life our relationships um, you know our workplace the way we live the way we love but also we want to see your kingdom come on a big scale like in the nation and throughout the world and then there's a there's that humility to, to ask for the things that we need right forgive us our sins help us forgive each other give us this day our daily bread lead us not into temptation so there's a there's an asking there's a confessing there's a requesting and there's just such beauty in the humility behind that. And again, just coming back to that place of like, we're in desperate need of, of God to move. Like, you know? Yeah. Amen. And I think that that is, well, hey, it's helpful. Okay. So if you feel like you don't know how to pray, boom, there's a pattern for you. you know? But also, I think it's. Siri, you're not on this podcast. Siri's trying to learn how to pray. AI is not there quite yet. Um, but also, you know, it's, it's a good heart check for us of how are we praying. Because yeah. yeah, some of us pray frequently, but are we praying like Jesus told us to pray? You know, and there's a certain, shown in the Lord's Prayer and how Jesus tells us to pray, there's a certain humility and open-handedness that I think is really key to what we're about to talk about, which is praying for things that we want to see happen in the world. You know, It has to start with that, that humility and open-handedness. Um, that brings me to, I think, a good launching point for the next topic, which is, for me, Philippians 4, which is another kind of how-to type of scripture regarding prayer. And, you know, we mentioned this National Day of Prayer. Christians all over the country are praying for America. And so as we dive into that, it's like, well, how should we be praying for America and why? Why is that? And this can be a... Um, dicey subjects, you know, because it, we're starting to drift towards the, 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 the topic of politics and, and changes we want to see in politics. And sadly, I think one of the big um, just misses for Christians in America is that they, they tackle these really difficult things like laws and politics and people in office and all this kind of stuff. And in that pursuit, we, we can lose that sense of humility and open-handedness. You know, we can forget that maybe what it takes for for God to be hollowed in his perfect plan is not lining up with what I think it would be, you know? Maybe God's kingdom come doesn't mean me having the, the laws that are most convenient to what I believe, you know? And, and not to say we don't want to pray for things that we think are against Scripture, you know, or pray against things that are against Scripture, 
but there is just an open-handedness there that, that maybe God's plan is different than what my plan is for America, you know? And so with that, for me, I go to Philippians 4, I'm just, what do we do in those times where we're living in that tension of, I want to see something happen, I'm not sure if it's lining up with God, I'm seeing things that are angering me, maybe, things that are maybe making me anxious or fearful, you know, what do I do? And so here's Philippians 4, starting in verse 4. Actually, normally I read this scripture starting from verse 6, but this is great. Verse 4, I'm going to start from there. It's a little heart check for some of us. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Right from the top. I mean, some of us in that whole theme I was just talking about or that path I was talking about, we just lose our joy so quickly. We feel like, oh, the world is just falling apart. Oh, I'm so oppressed. Like we're losing our freedom, something like that. And we lose our joy. Yeah. Right from the top. It's, no, no, no. It doesn't say rejoice when things are good. It doesn't say rejoice when laws are how you want them to be. It says rejoice always. He says it again. I say it again. Rejoice. And then, verse 5, which tagged on to that, let your reasonableness be known to everyone because the Lord is at hand. I just think about that as well. Like, how often do you see these these fights in the news or in politics where that's not the case you know there, there's people who in their, lose their minds they, they lose their minds and, and they, they, they fight the fight that they say they're fighting for God and yet their reasonableness is not known to everyone and their joy is not on their heart so start with that with your heart and then starting in verse 6 do not be anxious about anything but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving let your request be made known to God. Yeah. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Mm. So what do we do? When we're in that tension, well, we, we rejoice always because we know what the Lord has done for us. Mm-hmm. We let our reasonableness be known to everyone around us so we can glorify God through that. We don't have fear or anxiety about things, but instead, in all things, we go to the Father in prayer and supplication, which means we're asking things of him with thanksgiving. So we do that with an understanding and with a gratitude for what he's already accomplished for us. And what's the promise in return for that from that process? The peace of God will guard your hearts and your minds. Yeah. Through Christ Jesus. Like there's something so beautiful about yeah. that. Yeah, it's so good. And and you see that open handedness that you were talking about earlier in there. And I think like let's just take a topic of kind of like what's happening in the schools, you know, in the public schools, let's say. And we see, okay, there's there's a moral shift that's going on. And, you know, it seems like in my lifetime, things are getting farther and farther and progressively so away from God's ideals and his his morality. And and just we're, we're moving farther away from the Christian worldview um, in the schools. And so it's easy to think about, you know, just our kids being exposed to that and and what's that going to mean for their futures? And so I could think, you know, and, and even talk to God about, God, it makes sense to me that you would want to slow that process or you would want to reverse that process or you'd want to put an end to this type of influence in the schools. And that very well be may be what God wants. And 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 I am justified to pray into that. I'm justified to, to you know, with with joy and reasonableness, to engage civically, you know, to to see that that become a reality, or, or to fight against what the way that, that that we're riding right now. But if if I'm not engaged in that type of prayer, 
to partner with it, we can so easily get off track and and it becomes a, a, a political pursuit where we're we're trying to force something that, that may or may not be God's will, you know? And so again it's just that that humility to say because you know, obviously we've seen throughout human history that there can be these revivals where where culture or society seems to return to uh, a moralistic view that is closer to to God's heart or to closer to, to scripture and and that, that that's part of the process of being salt and light right is that we we help slow the the decay of the world you know and we definitely want to be people that are doing that but but it may also be in this time in this moment in history maybe God wants there to be a stark contrast between his people and the world and maybe that's how he's going to make his name hollow maybe that's how he's going to advance his kingdom in this time we, we don't know so we have to just be open handed about it and we, we pray as he moves in our hearts because we want to move his heart but at the end of the day we trust that he's sovereign and he's good and he's going to do what he's going to do Amen. You know, it it reminds me of um, we went through our series in Second Corinthians. And I think it's the end of Second Corinthians four, maybe chapter five. I didn't look it up yet, but you know, Paul's talking about this idea of our 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 tent, you know, our earthly dwelling. And basically, the point is, hey, don't 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 get too attached to your tent. You know, recognize that this earthly tent is nothing compared to your eternal dwelling, you know, compared to being in the house of the Lord. And sometimes, you know, we, we, we pray for God to fix this kingdom instead of praying for God to make his kingdom known, you know? And like Dan said, there's nothing wrong with praying for things that you want to see happen right now that you think God will be honored by. Like, right on for that, you know? But just that that's a good heart check of just Am I praying for God to build up this kingdom or am I praying for God's kingdom to be revealed within this kingdom, you know? And I'll just give you an example from my own prayer life. Praying for the, the nation or for the government and stuff in general is it's on my weekly prayer list, something I do regularly, but I find myself a lot less often praying for people in government and a lot less often praying for specific laws. Sometimes I will, but normally I just find myself praying for Christians in America to mm-hmm. live like it. You know, because I just I read scriptures and I read through our command of of what following Jesus is going to look like and the cost of following Jesus, and it seems like that is meant to be our heart is not fighting the persecution, but understanding that in those moments, that's when Christ is going to be glorified. You know, and so not to say we're not going to pray with faith and excitement and, and, and a sense of trust tomorrow or on Thursday at the day of prayer. But for me, even on, on Thursday, I'm, that's going to be a big focus for me. Is, man, I, I just pray that people who claim to love Jesus in this nation live like it. Yeah. And they're, they're willing to, to be that light and that salt. Yeah. yeah, so the passage you were referring to, 2 Corinthians 5, the first four verses, it, and it's, it's really amazing how he, what he, where he goes to in verse 5, he says, um, he who has prepared us for this very thing. So talking about basically God's um, work in us to get us ready for our heavenly dwelling, yeah. right? So God, who, who has done that, has given us his spirit as a guarantee. And 
what Paul's saying there is like, hey, this this eternal home, this kingdom that you're going to step into, this this permanent dwelling that is going to far exceed anything that this tent, you know, uh, temporary dwelling will ever, it'll pale in comparison, right? He's saying, you are, you have my spirit within you to guarantee that that's real and that's a reality, Mm -hmm. you know? And there's no such guarantee that things are going to get better here on this side of eternity. You know, there's no, there's all kinds of um, promises that God gives us in terms of strengthening us, sustaining us, giving us hope for tomorrow so that we can, um, we can live like you're saying, like really live like a part of this kingdom. But he never guarantees us that, that that's going to turn the tide on the world. And in fact, there seems to be a lot of guarantees the other way that says, Hey, things are going to get a lot worse before they get better. Like this world is, is, um, it's going to hell in a handbasket. You sure, know? sure is. And so we shouldn't be surprised when we face that kind of opposition, you know? And, and then verse six in second Corinthians is so amazing. It says, so with all of that in mind, we are always of good courage. Mm-hmm. And man, I would just, I, I want to pray that, like you said, Sean, for, for the Christians in America, that we would be of good courage, that we wouldn't be, um, you know, in despair over the state of affairs in our nation, that we wouldn't be enraged or kind of thrown off kilter because of the moral decline or because of the laws that are being passed or because of the people who are in power. We are, no, 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 we're, we're of good courage because our hope isn't set on the outcome of this nation. Our hope isn't set on things going a certain type of way with America. Our hope is set on, on something eternal. Amen. Amen to that. Um, maybe just one more warning about prayer. Mm-hmm. I was just thinking about as we were praying that is it's relating to this whole topic of us being attached to the world, you mm-hmm. know? Yeah. And, and it's easy for all of us, for me and Dan, everyone else. Like, it's just easy to care too much about the things of the world. Yeah. You know? Things that we think are good things, and they are good things, but then if they take the place of God in our hearts, they're bad things, right? Yeah. Yeah. And I was just thinking about, there's a passage in James 4 addressing um, basically this this topic of, like, Christians quarreling amongst one another and having strife and it kind of stems from this thing of worldliness, right? And here's what he says. There's some, there's some heavy words here. What causes quarrels and what causes fights among you? Is it not this, that your passions are at war within you? You desire and do not have, so you murder. You covet and cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. You do not have because you do not ask. You do not, or you ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your passions. You adulterous people, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. And then later it says, Submit yourselves therefore to God. Resist the devil. He will flee from you. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. That's good. just love that. And just this, just this, this, I mean, it's a bit of a stark reminder. It's like cold water in your face. The reminder of, man, don't don't get sucked into the fights, you know? 
we want to get sucked into God's fight and fight the way that he tells us to fight which is through humble and open-handed prayer knowing that the fight is his to win it's it's for us to just be obedient servants to for us to be an example of Christ-likeness and sacrificial love in and just trust that through that God can accomplish things that we can never even conceive of him doing you know and yet he tells us he's going to so he will yeah that's so good love that man well, we hope you guys will join us uh, on Thursday, May 4th, to really just seek, seek the Lord, draw near to Him, to intercede for our nation, to, to really just pray and see God's kingdom come. And uh, don't, hey, don't worry, we will be worshiping through music as well. We'll be singing our guts out in that living room at the church, and uh, we need you there, so, so, so get there. Me party. Love you guys. See you Thursday and then on Sunday as well. Peace. See ya. Thank you for listening. Be sure to subscribe for future episodes of Behold. If you would like more information about Valley Bible Church, or if you'd like resources from this episode, go ahead and check out vbc.online forward slash behold. Catch you guys next week.